If you'll find your Bible, open it up or turn it on. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 today. Romans chapter 5. There is so much to do in 2022. And it is the time of the year where we make a list and check it twice. And then we put it in the drawer and forget about it come February, right? That's what, that's what we tend to do. And I think it's a good idea in January for you to check your measurables. How are you doing in your financial planning? How's, how are you doing with your health? Uh, what areas of your life are you wasting a lot of time on that don't really add anything to your life? I think it's good to use some time in January to just do a little bit of a life checkup. But beyond the measurables, beyond the external, we also need to make sure that we do a spiritual checkup in our lives. And last week, I shared with you one thing that you can do in 2022 to grow as a person and to have a more satisfying life. And that one thing that I talked about was to open your heart to authentic, meaningful relationships in your life that force you to visit places of insecurity. Now that seems easy. All right, I'll, uh, I'll spend more time with people I love. I'll, I'll drink more coffee. I mean, that's what Christians do. We drink coffee, so I'll do more drinking of coffee, and I'll spend time with people that I like. I'll laugh more. Uh, I got it, Lash. You can preach short today. I'm good. But opening your heart to authentic, meaningful relationships will likely be the most difficult thing and the most satisfying thing that you can ever do. Relationship with God and relationship with others. You see, human beings thrive when we have connection. When we are connected to God, when we are connected in community, when we have people in our lives that we love and they love us, and we know that we are secure in these relationships, that's when human beings really thrive. But to have this connection, it requires that I open my heart, and it requires that I open my heart to faith. You see, faith is essential in your walk with the Lord, but it's also in our essential in our walk with one another. That we have faith in God so that we are trusting Him, but that we're also allowing ourselves to open our heart, trust other people, and that we are having faith in them and they in us, and that we are being trustworthy people in loving relationship. To open my heart to people, I need to discover that I am secure in Christ. And so I'm beginning a, a new sermon series today, and it's entitled Secured, and I think there's the logo somewhere, you've probably have already seen it up there, but this new sermon series, Secured, and it revolves around one simple truth. Here it is. Being secure in Christ frees me to enter into insecure places in life because I know who I am and whose I am. Okay? Being secure in Christ 
allows me to go into those insecure places in life that demand of me faith because I know who I am and I know whose I am. Now, personally, just kind of opening up my heart to you a little bit, uh, what I'm going to share with you over the next few weeks are things that I think God's been teaching me personally over the last few years. You know how there's these areas of your life where God just goes to work? You ever had that? It seemed like for about a decade in my life, God just went to work on faith. He was just constantly pounding me to grow in faith. And then over the last couple of years, it seems like the Lord has really been working on me to realize that you can be secure in Christ and you can take that security into life. So we have this thing on our TV now, and it's kind of cool that when I join a football game in progress, so when I, when I flip over the channel to it, it says I can either join live or I can catch up by watching key plays. It's kind of cool. So like I can, I can be an hour and a half late to the game and I can just watch the key plays and it's sorted all of that for me on the TV. Now imagine if we had something like that for our lives. You meet somebody new, and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm Lash. I, I just want to show you some key plays in my life here. It starts out when I was a baby, and it's kind of like a highlight film of things that have made you, you. Now, here's the reality. If you had something like that, it would probably be overwhelming, right? And it would maybe just be a little bit creepy. I, I don't recommend that, that you make a movie of your life and then play it to everyone the first time you walk into Sunday school. I don't really recommend that you do that. But at the same time, we become the stories of our life. And there is a reality that everybody that you meet, every single person, look around this room, the thousand people that are here this morning on January 2nd, Okay, the people online don't know, so just go with me on it. Anyway, <laughs> every single person in this room has a story of pain. Every single person in this room has experienced rejection. Every single person in this room has what I'm going to call today an emotional castle with walls moats and alligators and that castle is there to protect you and to keep other people out and so we build these little emotional castles in our mind in order to make sure that we are safe in our lives but here's the irony the castle isn't securing you in fact it's revealing your insecurities and the castle walls aren't serving you. They are imprisoning you, keeping you from meaningful, authentic life that forces you to go to places that demand of you faith. Now let's unpack some of what I'm saying with some biblical truth today. So go with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. This is one of those passages, pretty well everywhere you turn in Romans is one of those passages, that you could spend a long time on. 
because there is a lot of meat in Romans. And beginning in verse 12, here's what the scriptures say. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin in this way spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression, because he is a type of the coming one. That word type means that he is pushing us, he is drawing our attention to ultimately the coming one, which is Jesus Christ. Now let me share with you four biblical truths from the passage that we just read. And as I said, this is one of those passages that we could talk about for a long, long time, so I'm really not able to scuba dive into the passage today, but we're going to do a little snorkeling here, okay? Here's the first truth. Sin has saturated the entire world. We live in a creation that has been saturated and stained by sin. So what happened in the Garden of Eden did not remain an isolated event. And we can relate to that a little bit more in our culture today because we've experienced the pandemic. What happened in the Garden of Eden set off a spiritual pandemic so that everybody now lives in a sinful world with a sin nature. And the end game of sin, according to Scripture, is death. That's the end game of sin. Now, there's two ways that human beings experience death. One is physical death, when the body dies. Two would be spiritual death, when the soul dies separated from God. Now, in verse 12, we also see a second biblical truth about sin, and that is that I am a sinner, and I have been hurt by sin. So my name is Lash Banks, and I'm a sinner. In fact, I'm the greatest sinner that I know. You know why? Because I know my sin. You're the greatest sinner that you know, because you know the real you. You know your thoughts. You know sometimes whenever you go to those dark places where you shouldn't go. Sin is something that we all have in common. You have experienced pain in your life because of other people's sin. Anybody, I'm not going to call you out, anybody ever experienced pain in your life because of another person's sin? Yeah, it's actually 100% in the room. People have done something, and it's hurt you. But then the opposite side of the coin is, you have caused pain in other people's lives because of your sin. And this pain causes us to isolate. This pain causes us to begin to build these emotional castle walls. This pain that we experience because of things that other people have done and things that we have done that we know are wrong causes us to reach that point as we age where it's harder for us to trust, it's harder for us to laugh, 
and it's harder for us to live. In verse 13, it talks about the age of innocence. (laughs) My favorite Christmas memory this year was watching my boys open Christmas gifts. Because Bennett's eight, Camden's five, and they just had enthusiasm about it. Anybody see the video of Camden I posted on Facebook? I mean, that kid gets, what was it, mousetrap? And he's like, whoa! You know, he's holding his gifts over his head. You know, I mean, he's kissing the gift. He's so excited. He is dancing all the way around the living room. And I was watching this, and I was like, oh, man, to be a kid again and just have so much enthusiasm and joy and zest for life. Do you remember when you used to have enthusiasm and faith in life? Do you remember whenever you were fearless almost? Adam and Eve once lived in an age of innocence. They, uh, they, they had a relationship with God where they were connected to Him. They were connected to one another. They were connected to creation. Anybody remember the name of the tree of which they ate? The tree of what? Of knowledge of good and evil. They sought to be like God. Sin entered into their life, entered into their world, and suddenly that age of innocence ended. And they were transgressors, living in a sinful state. And as we journey through life, as we get older, we become aware of our sin and we become aware of the sins and the brokenness of others. And we start experiencing it, practicing it, sharing it, and being hurt by it. And the end result of this sin, in verse 14, we see that there is a migration from connection to isolation. A migration from living to dying. Adam and Eve had a connection with God, but because of their sin, that relationship was broken, and they began that migration towards pride and selfishness. Oh, when you're little, you trust people. You have energy. You bring life. People are excited about their birthdays. But as you encounter sin, as you encounter brokenness, as you walk further into darkness, this innocence is lost. And you begin that migration from connection to isolation. That migration from life to death. And then we wake up one day and you realize... I'm halfway to dead. Encouraging New Year's sermon so far this, today, right? Yeah, I'm here to help you, be a cheerleader for you, encourage you. Stick with me, though. Okay, I know. The fog of New Year's, you know, all those stuff. All the emotional castles I've built in my life to keep me secure and protect me from pain and loss aren't working. These things happen to you and you start building these walls and you start trying to protect yourself. You start trying to make sure that you're secure and that you're okay. And you reach this point where you realize none of it's working. 
None of it's working. And this is the pivot point. This is the pivot point that we reach. Some of us reach it early. Some of us reach it late. Some people live their whole life and they never reach it. When you realize that the castle walls that you built really aren't protecting you from the pain and death of sin. And when you reach that pivot point, one of two things happens. You either turn to God or you settle and compensate. You either turn to God or you turn to yourself. What does it look like whenever we settle and compensate? Well, we start settling for superficial relationships, superficial existence, whatever the next adrenaline rush can be, whatever the next purchase is, relationships that don't really stretch us, relationships that don't grow us, situations that do not demand that we trust other people. And then because of all this settling, we feel bad because we're not growing, we're not living, we're not laughing, we're not really doing what we feel like life is all about. We're just existing. And so what's the next thing we do? We compensate with short-term satisfaction. Then one beer becomes six beers, one brown becomes a dozen brownies one more show becomes a Netflix binge and we turn to addictions and we start becoming consumed by all these addictions in our life have you ever heard of the seven deadly sins it comes from Christian tradition and as you unpack those sins they're actually the sins that we turn to in order to compensate in life so let's look at them I think they're I think they're on the screen pride We don't feel good about ourselves. We don't feel good about life. We feel insecure in life. So we turn to pride and we develop this persona where we have this inflated, unrealistic sense of our self-worth that we project to the world. Some of us compensate with envy. We feel bad about our lives, so we start envying other people's lives. And we even can go to the point where we want their possessions, their successes, their virtues, their talents, their appearances. And we tear people down out of envy in order to try to lift ourselves up. What is that? It's compensating. Compensating for your own insecurities. Some of us turn to gluttony. I know Christmas, New Year's, bad time to talk about this, but gluttony and excessive desire for the pleasure of eating and drinking. Lust. A selfish focus on sex. A desire to have sexual pleasure with somebody other than your spouse can lead us to all sorts of different perversions in life. Anger, an excessive improper desire to exact revenge upon people. Greed, when we become consumed by making more money, consumed by possessing another thing. We start stalking that purchase, and as soon as we make that purchase, we're looking forward to the next purchase. Our sloth. Just a lack of effort. We kind of numb out. And there's not really any effort in any necessary task. And what we do, we do badly. They're deadly sins. Because they rob you of faith, hope, and love. They rob you of that connection with God. And they rob you of that connection with other people. You're exchanging eternity, meaning, and life for temporal existence of quiet desperation. But that's not how God designed you to live. Look look at verse 15. If the person next to you is asleep... 
Go ahead and wake them up at this time. This would be a good time to wake them up. So verse 15 is where we are. But the gift. Now what, what is the gift? The gift would be God's salvation, God's grace, Jesus Christ. The gift is not like the trespass. For by the one man's trespass, the many died. How much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through grace, through the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. So there he gives us an idea of what he's talking about with the gift, right? But the gift is not like the trespass. The gift which comes through grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflows from Jesus into you. So just like Adam's sin overflowed into the creation so that we all experience this brokenness and darkness, the gift that comes through Jesus Christ overflows from him into you. And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one, man, from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation but from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in what? What's the word? Justification. God wants you to live in the identity of justification. You say, well, what does that mean? Justification is a theological term. My theology professor used to say, it's just as if I'd never sinned. I know, it's a little corny, but it stuck with me. Like 60 years later, I still remember it. <laughs> corny again, sorry. Justification means that God pronounces you not guilty in Christ. When we turn from our sin to Christ... When we place our faith in Jesus Christ and we quit trying to secure ourselves and trying to protect ourselves and trying to build the castle walls that will somehow establish ourselves, we break down the walls, we understand that we are not God, that we are not in control, that we need a Savior, that we have been hurt by sin and we have hurt others by sin, and we place our faith in Jesus Christ spiritually, God sees us in Christ. So even though I am a sinner, God sees me in Christ and he says, not guilty, he's forgiven, he is my child, he belongs to me, I am God's child for all eternity. That's why we no longer perish, but we have everlasting life because God sees us in Christ and download this into your consciousness, you are secured in his love. Okay? And this security is not based on my good behavior. God doesn't love me for my loveliness. God's security and grace is based on Jesus Christ. And you are as secure in Christ as He is powerful. Let that be something that you absorb, that you think on, that you meditate upon that you are safe and secure in Christ and that God has established for you an identity. Nothing changes. Justification is not something you can earn. You don't earn the justification of God. 
by coming to church, reading your Bible, doing good things, being a philanthropic person. All those things are good. All those things are, are activities that believers engage in. But justification is a gift. It's something that God extends to you through grace. It is unearned. And so what this means to the person who's never trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, it means you can begin again. Anyone. Anyone can begin again in Christ. All things can be forgiven. You can be a new creation in Christ. And so the Bible teaches that we are to turn from our sins and turn to Christ placing our faith in Him as Savior and Lord. And let me ask you this question, first Sunday of 2022, has there ever been a time in your life when you did that? I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if your daddy was a preacher and your granddaddy was a deacon. I'm not asking you any of that stuff. I'm asking you personally, has there ever been that time where you bowed the knee and you placed your faith in Christ? And if there hasn't been, Let's make today that day. I'll lead you through a prayer here in a few moments. Let's settle this. Let's settle this in your heart that you, you desire to be a believer in Christ and to place your faith in Christ. Now, many of you in the room today, you're believers. You've trusted in Christ. And here's what I want to make sure that you get. You are secure in Him. You have identity in Christ. That sounds so simple. Yet I talk to person after person, family after family, that is dealing with all this dysfunction, all this anxiety, all this struggle because they don't feel secure in their identity. But when you begin to understand that you are secure in the love of God and nothing can separate you from the love of God, you are his child in Christ forever, then your value, your identity, your personhood is non-negotiable. Nobody can steal that from you. Nobody can take that from you because it is a gift that has been given to you by God above. God has determined you are his child forever. And nothing has the power to separate you from the security you have in Christ. And when you realize that, you can go into some insecure places. You can open your heart to love. You can live your life in faith because you know who you are and you know whose you are. Just imagine with me for a moment how much your life could change if you came out from behind the castle walls and just opened your heart to live in faith, to live in community, to have real, genuine, meaningful relationships. And you understood that as you did that, you're God's child. And nothing's going to change that. You're secure in Him. 
And because you're secure in him, you can go to those places of insecurity and experience faith, hope, and love in your relationships. Would you guys be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please? You guys have listened very well today. I appreciate it. I want to go back to that person that has never trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord. And as I've been talking today, maybe God opened your heart and showed you your need of salvation. Maybe you're listening online. Perhaps you're even watching this video in the future. I don't know, but wherever you are, wherever you're hearing this, if today is the day where you need to take that step of faith, I want you to, I want you to do it right now. I invite you to do it right now. Break down the walls, all the barriers, all the reasons why. No, no, no. Just break them down. Open your heart and allow yourself to go to those places of faith. You might say something like this, Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I have been hurt by sin. And I have hurt others by my sin. And I pray for your forgiveness. And I open my heart today to Jesus Christ and invite Him to be my Savior and my Lord. And I pray that Your Spirit might change me and free me to live my life in Your love and to be alive. To be alive. Pray that prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And today is Your salvation day. Don't leave it here. Tell somebody. Tell me. I'll be here at the front during this next song. I would love for you to come see me and tell me, hey, I I trusted in Christ today. Maybe you're watching online and you just want to put in the comments, today was my day of salvation. Perhaps there's somebody that you came with that you know walks with the Lord and you need to go tell them, "I, I trusted in Christ as my Savior and my Lord today. Others in this room, you've You've walked with God, but are you walking in His security? Are you alive? Are you compensating and settling? Are you opening your heart to the joy and laughter and calling of faith? Or have you walled your heart off? Trying to protect yourself, you're losing yourself. It's not how God created you. That's not what He wants for you. So I invite you this morning to open your heart. Open your heart to faith. Tear down the castle walls. Come out. Live again. Live again. Our altar's open. If you need to come forward today and seal this moment with the Lord in prayer, come forward. If there's anything I may pray with you about, I'll be here at the front. My wife is there with me. We'd love to pray with you. Perhaps today is the day that God's calling you to join this church here the first Sunday of 2022. You've been visiting. You've been praying about it. And God's saying, hey, this is where you're supposed to be. And you just like to come and tell me, hey, pastor, this is where we're supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be. Feel free to come. Let's stand together, our heads bowed. Father, I pray that you might open our hearts and lead us to those new paths that you have forged for us.
Help us, Lord, to go forward, to take those steps of faith, and to realize that even whenever we find ourselves out on a limb in those places where our own personal security is not enough, that your security is there. Help us, Lord, to realize who we are and whose we are and to take that into every area of life with a humble confidence that transcends circumstances and connects us to eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray.